Teodora is not the first to see the raiders, but she is the first to run. They come from the north, by the light of the full moon. They do not burn any lanterns on their decks, but skim across the ocean like tears down a mirror. There are three ships, carrying some thirty men apiece, coils of rope set by the prow to bind their slaves, oars barely tugging the sea as the wind carries them to shore. They give no cries of war, beat no drums, nor blow trumpets of brass or bone. Their sails are plain and patched, and had I powered over the stars I would have willed them shine a little brighter, that the heavens might be eclipsed by the darkness of the ships as they obstructed the horizon. But the stars are not my domain, nor do I usually pay much attention to the dealings of little people in their sleepy villages by the sea, save when there is some great matter afoot that might be turned by a wily hand, or when my husband has strayed too far from home. It is therefore without celestial intervention that Theodora, lips inclining towards those of her maybe lover, thinks she catches sight of something strange upon the sea. The few fisherwomen who ride the night are all known to her, and their prows are nothing like the shapes she glimpses in the corner of her eye. Then Dari's, a young fool, certainly more foolish than she, catches her by her chin and pulls her deeper into his embrace, hand fumbling somewhat impertinently for her breast, and she has other things on her mind. Above the village, a torch gutters upon the cliffs. It has been only briefly raised, a guide in the night to show these raiders where to go. Now its work is done, and the figure who has held it retreats down the hard stone path towards the inland slumber of the isle, feeling no compunction to stay and witness his work. It would be fair of this fellow to think himself unseen, save by his allies. The hour is late, and the hot day had faded to a cool, slumbering dark, suitable for vast snoring and dreamless sleep. How little he knows. In a cave above the shore, a queen in rags and dirt looks out onto the night, the blood still sticky on her hands, and sees the raiders come, but does not think they come for her. So she does not call out to the village below, but cries for her lover, who is dead. In the east, a king rolls restlessly in the arms of Calypso, who hushes him and says, It's just a dream, my love. Everything beyond these shores is just a dream. To the south, another fleet with black sails sits becalmed, the rowers asleep beneath the patient sky, while a princess caresses her brother's sweating brow. And on the beach, Theodora is beginning to suspect that Dari's may not be entirely pure in his attentions, and that they should really start talking of marriage if this is the way things are going to go. She pushes him away with both her palms, but he holds her tight. In the brief shuffling of their feet on bony white sand, his eyes turn up, and he at last sees the ships, sees their course for this little cove, and with a sluggish wit, he declares, Um... Dari's mother owns a grove of olive trees, two slaves, and a cow. In the eyes of the sages of the island, these things are in fact owned by Dari's father, but he never came home from Troy, and as the years ticked down, and Dari's grew from whelp to man, even the most pedantic elders stopped labouring the point. One day, shortly after his fifteenth birthday, Dari's turned to his mother and mused, It's a good thing for you I let you hang around. And in that moment her hope died, though he was a monster of her own making. He can fish, not well, dreams of turning pirate, 
and has not yet tasted hunger in the winter. Theodora's father was sixteen when he wed her mother, seventeen when he went to Troy. He left behind his bow, being a weapon for cowards, a few pots, and a shawl his mother made. Last winter, Theodora killed a lynx that was as hungry as her, the knife with which she would otherwise gut fish driven into its snapping jaw, and has few qualms about making snap decisions when death is on the line. Raiders! she shouts, first to Dares, who hasn't yet released her from his embrace, and when he finally does, to the village above and the slumbering night, running towards the low mud of hut and home, as if she could catch the echo of her own voice. Raiders! Raiders are coming! It is well known that when a grieving wife looks to the sea for the ship of her husband and glimpses a sail threaded with gold, time will slow its pounding chariot to a cruel, and every minute of the ship's return is an hour pricked out in sweating agony.